0: This is Oscars Playback on the Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce. And Joyce, it's time for another edition of Oscars Playback. There's nothing like a dame. And there's nothing like looking back at the 1999 Academy Awards.
1: And this one was on a Sunday.
0: Moved to a Sunday. We moved to
1: a Sunday. It was on uh, Sunday, March 21st, 1999. The the 71st Academy Awards for the films of 98.
0: So we have done now three in a row, basically, uh, of of the years, right? We did uh, 97 Oscars, which is Independence Day and and English Patient One. Last week, we did Titanic. And this was the follow-up Titanic. Titanic, the biggest Oscars ever. This one, somehow, longer. We Clocked in at four hours and two minutes. Ratings dipped to 45 million viewers. But,
1: you know, I remember watching this live back then and it's still at four hours and two minutes Felt so faster than this past ceremony a month ago, so.
0: It certainly did a lot of content and having rewatched a lot. a lot of it on YouTube, there's just a ton of content. It's a very long show, but it was, you know, chock full of multiple tributes to deceased legends like Frank Sinatra, Gene Autry, uh, Stanley Rogers. Kubrick. Yeah. Roy Lo- Rogers. Burgers. Uh, you had yeah, an uh, honorary Oscar for for Elia uh, Kazan, which was a hot, hot bit of controversy. You have Whoopi Goldberg doing extended bits as the host. She came in for, for Billy Crystal. I want to start there actually. I went this back is and the first after I,
1: non-Billy I, ceremony.
0: The <laughs> first non-Billy ceremony. And I went back after watching last night and I was like, when I was watching, I was like, wow, Whoopi Goldberg is so good at hosting the Oscars. That was one of my big takeaways. I think she's so funny. And she really understands how to run the room, and all the reviews after were like she sucked. I, I was actually surprised and like how she was, you know, crass because it was. It's again at the the height of the the Clinton uh, Clinton era, the Clinton scandal. Uh, Another Clinton Linda Clinton trip joke. joke. Another Linda trip joke references to uh, Monica Lewinsky and and the the dress and all these different things so the jokes are like what you would expect from that but I actually thought she was great and I think in a difference one of the things I noticed when we were watching the Titanic one a lot of Billy's hosting at that point was all about Billy like his, his sixth time I believe was that was that one uh the and year he before. didn't even want to
1: do it and but he didn't want to do it. about doing it this year <laughs>
0: It was readily apparent he did not want to do it. And it was mostly just about Billy not wanting to do it and not necessarily as much about the movies. This one was Whoopi like really having a fun time. I thought she was really strong. She referenced a lot of, like you said, like the the controversies of the ceremony, which included, uh, you know, the Ilya Kazan honorary Oscar that was protested heavily outside because obviously he he testified against his fellow Hollywood collaborators uh, in front of the o- house. of them Infinity. back in
1: the day. Yes. And never apologized. <laughs> Never
0: apologize, and and then she even referenced thing. A thing we'll we'll spend a lot of time talking about. Joyce, I wrote this down in her monologue. DreamWorks and Miramax, those boys fought World War III over World War II because this is, I would say, a transitional Oscars in the sense that this is the most like current Oscars that I think we had gotten to. This is the modern Oscars.
1: Well, this Oscars ushered in. This modern Oscars or this yes. this era because yes. of Harvey, right? <laughs> so so changed the game really. So
0: yes, uh, so this was definitely the ascendant, the the culmination, I would say, of Harvey Weinstein's like run as the Oscars. Uh,
1: yeah, because Miramax was a peaking. Well, I mean, the, the, he he personally won an Oscar.
0: Right, he was a producer on Shakespeare in Love, so he personally won an Oscar. Uh, Shakespeare in Love was a movie that was set up at Universal in the late 80s and early 90s with Edwards Wick as a producer uh, and had a bunch of different permutations. I was reading Inside Oscar last night shows. They sounded really fun. I had actually never read those before. One of them was Julia Roberts as the Gwyneth Paltrow character and uh, Daniel Day-Lewis as uh, Shakespeare, which I was like, I'm in on that movie in 1990. Wow, that would have been awesome. And then another iteration was Winona Ryder and uh, Kenneth Branagh in those parts. And it ended up, ended up not happening at Universal, and Miramax came in and put in a ton of money to finish it, basically. And Harvey's grabbed their producer credit. Obviously, in the years since, Harvey Weinstein has been uh, arrested, was convicted uh, of a felony sex crime and rape. He was sentenced to to twenty three years in jail. And and the entire uh, the entire uh, ceremony has been cast under that that light, I think. And like you know how. Uh, his bullying tactics on the campaign maybe spread into real life. Plus, Gwyneth Paltrow accused him of sexual misconduct and obviously won an Oscar for this movie. Her speech literally made me, like, weep. I, I was texting you this last night. It's like, Gwen Paltrow's speech was just really touching, I thought. And I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm crying at this
1: silly Oscars. Well, I mean, I you cry all the time. So what, what I else? I do, I do, but, but this is the like first her, oh, Well, her God. speech is also, I mean, obviously she thanks him, but now we know, like, you know like what happened between them like when she was making emma two years before
0: yes so you know? that, that was all of it i, I found it. there's a vanity fair article Joyce, by uh former vanity fair writers uh, rebecca keegan and nicole sperling both of whom have gone on to other outlets i think rebecca is at the hollywood reporter our, our sister site here and then uh, nicole's at the times but i i had a quote here from mark gill who was miramax's la president he said the movie is still great about shakespeare in love the individual achievements are still remarkable, but you can't possibly look at it through the same lens anymore. You just can't. Well, not wrong, but the movie is still great. Like you said.
1: I, I love the movie. And my favorite movie is Shakespeare, uh, not Shakespeare in Love, Saving Private Ryan. But I'm yes. totally fine with Shakespeare in Love winning Best Picture, which so many people do not believe when I say that.
0: <laughs> so this is an interesting, so this whole, this whole ceremony I found so interesting. Again, this is another year where I think we like we talked about last week. The 97 movies were some of the my favorites of all time. We like just we went through them all this year. Not as many all-time faves, but a lot of great movies. Uh, and a lot of movies again. I saw every one of these in the movie theater. Armageddon still rocks. Uh, the top-grossing movie of the year. Michael Bay, Ben Affleck, Ascendant off of Goodwill Hunting. Uh,
1: the only just- thing better than Armageddon is the commentary for Armageddon. Yes. Ben it's Affleck. Incredible. Ben I'm Affleck.
0: Ben like truly a lack of Fs. No, he does not care at all. It's so good. Uh,
1: and I felt bad for Deep Impact because that was, you know, the, the big battle.
0: Yeah, but Deep Impact was not good.
1: Yeah, I felt bad for Mimi Leader. So. Mimi
0: Leader should have gotten more shots, but the movie yeah. compared to Armageddon doesn't work. Same with Prime Ryan, which we'll talk about a ton, obviously. The number two grossing movie of the year was a tremendous and I remember seeing it uh, in opening weekend and just the theater was like dead silent. Like I've never, I, like I could, remember the silence that's how in awe people were over the emotion of the movie and the opening sequence and all the things it remains a great movie i know you stayed up we're recording this on wednesday you stayed up in the tv wee morning hours watching it last night
1: because i it's my favorite movie and i don't watch it that often anymore like i i've seen shakespeare in love more times in the past decade than saving private ryan um And I think like recently, I'll I'll plug one of our writers, Kevin Jacobson, he hosts a podcast called And the Runner Up Is, uh, about probable Oscar runners up, currently doing Best Actress, but it started with Best Picture. And I was on the Saving Private Ryan episode like four years ago. So I rewatched it for that. So if you want my in-depth thoughts on this race, you can go listen to that. I I will. I will. go. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, so I... I, after I watched like all the clips of the ceremony last night, I, and then I, I don't watch the best picture win often for obvious reasons. Um, and I think the last time I watched that was like in 2017 after the time story on like Harvey and everything. Yes. Um, yeah. So I watched all the clips and then I was like, I want to watch Saving Private Ryan right now. And it was like 10 30. <laughs> started it, went to bed at one 30 in the morning. And I, I still, it's still my favorite movie. It's um, I, I watched it open a weekend in the theater. Uh, my theater, I don't think it was as quiet as yours because people were still eating popcorn. Are you saying like no one was eating popcorn? I honestly don't day?
0: remember. I mean, like it's a memory from 20 years to 25 years ago, whatever it is. But I literally, I don't remember a thing. I think we saw it in the city, honestly, because I think it was like a bigger deal thing that we wanted to go into this even though it was in the summer because it came out obviously as a summer movie yeah it like, came
1: out july 24th and, and i remember
0: working. like it was just dead quiet i don't remember popcorn at all it was it was just a wonderful experience and i've so i we watched that movie a lot when it came out on on home release
1: uh, oh my god so movie. yeah i i instantly fell in love with saving private ryan and then i was just waiting for it to come on pay-per-view you know my go-to
0: yes obviously. and then
1: i watched it like literally every day for a full year <laughs> And I also recorded it on VHS, like full credits and everything. And then I bought it when it was released, like officially. And then I eventually got the DVD. And then my friend eventually got me like the 60th anniversary of D-Day edition (laughs) (laughs) for my birthday. Yeah. So I have like multiple copies of Saving Private Ryan. And yeah. And I, I was like ready for it to win Best Picture.
0: So I was actually I remember rooting for Shakespeare in Love because I was I, I love the chaos of the underdog and the as we've seen you're, like you're
1: in, just a you're just like Harvey
0: <laughs> you read the inside Oscar and reading this Vanity Fair article it's like it's a manufactured underdog the movie was like yeah totally obviously not a legitimate underdog and had like a ton of nominations I think it had thirteen nominations right is that right mm-hmm. uh, so it was a favorite it had uh, Shakespeare, Shakespeare in Love uh, I'm sorry same and Reilly had eleven nominations. Uh, only eleven nominations by comparison, so it was like a runaway thing. And I think a lot of the things we see now, where about the previously when we've gone into this, like obviously, like same uh, signs and lamps came out in February, kind of able to withstand a whole year. Fargo was a movie that came out in March, withstood a whole year. There was not as much of this like late, late uh, Johnny Come Lately uh, movie coming in at the end and like getting people riled up with emotions. But Shakespeare in Love was absolutely that, where it's like came out late in the year. They had barely done any screenings, I think, up until like closer to release. It was one of, I think, six movies that Miramax was releasing in December to try to like figure out which one would end up being their number one contender. They ended up with Life is Beautiful and Shakespeare in Love uh, as their two. Both played heavily on emotions and immediate impact rather than long-lasting appeal. And it just was a, a perfect storm, I feel like, of events where it's like, oh, Shakespeare in Love is absolutely a better movie than Coda, but it is the same blueprint that helped Coda beat Power of the Dog by. Oh yeah, easily. totally.
1: It's, yeah. it's um, and I love that this year we also had The Truman Show because I'm I'm talking about The Truman Show for the second time in a month because if 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 you missed our final Oscar predictions last month, uh, I. I hearkened to the Truman Show to explain why Coda was going to win Best Picture or more, more than why Power of the Dog was going to lose Best Picture, really. Um, to explain but yeah, again. exactly that. So <laughs> it's, it's the, well, it was because it was a, mut- a mutual friend or a friend of a friend right. uh, revealed that she did not understand yes. the Truman Show, which I don't think is that difficult to understand, but she was expecting like a typical Jim Carrey comedy. Mm-hmm you know, like Ace Ventura or whatever. And so like, we, like a month ago explained it to her and like, she still wasn't like really getting it. And she was like, I just want like funny Jim Carrey. And that was not what I got from the Truman show. And that's, that's basically, you know, like Coda and a Dog and also like Shakespeare in Love and Saving Private Ryan. And it's like, it's a big emotional play. Like that was like the Miramax MO. It just makes you feel and- you know, one of the taglines or their campaign slogans for Shakespeare in Love was like a crowd pleaser, a crowd pleaser of the year.
0: Absolutely. So, a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Absolutely played into the narcissism of Hollywood because it's about like making a movie basically, even though it's obviously set in, in, in Shakespearean. In values.
1: the Globe. It, it, they're putting on a show in the Globe.
0: And uh, the other thing this uh, ushered in was uh, again and mentioned in the Vanity Fair article and just obviously if you have two eyes, Harvey Weinstein is in, in addition to being a a convicted uh, rapist, is a is a uh, incredible bully. He was celebrated for being a bully. And in this race, that was another major uh, factor of it where it wasn't just him forcing Shakespeare in Love down the throats of Academy members. I think in this article, it's like they did spend three months doing press with the cast. This was one of the first movies to get a VHS screener out, I think, or like at the time, like- hey, They said like were...
1: like 50,000 uh, VHSs to SAG. Or something. so it was like
0: ascendant in that regard. So it got people feeling like exclusive that they were able to do this. He did a lot of those things. He also ran a strong negative campaign against DreamWorks and Shakespeare and Saving Piper Ryan, specifically that the movie's only the first 15 minutes, you know, who cares, blah, blah, blah. It's not, you know, the rest of the movie doesn't work. And like starting those whisper campaigns, again, very similar to what we see now, where it's like Power of the Dog, kind of boring. And it ends up working its way into- the Oscar host monologue this year, right? Where it's like, Wanda Sykes is taking a, a cheap shot at the- leaf oh, No, of, it's,
1: it's like, it's long. And it's like, as we've talked about before, it's one of the shorter films. So,
0: uh, you know, yeah. all of these things are like spawned in this ceremony. Uh, it's just, it's just wild looking at yeah, it. Yeah, and it, then
1: because of that, DreamWorks obviously have to retaliate. Right. Like a counterattack. So then they had to overspend as well. Mm-hmm. And like, so then, and but then there, it's funny because like their campaign uh, just hinged on like, we have to honor the veterans, you know, like these heroes, which is kind of what like eventually Harvey would do with like imitation game, you know, like yes. honor the man.
0: <laughs> it, there was a line here from uh, Terry Press from who was DreamWorks and like uh, the DreamWorks later, he was like, they tried to get everybody I believe the same pride Ryan was all in the first 15 minutes. And he told that to Steven Spielberg, and Steven Spielberg was quoted as saying, "I do not want you to get down in the mud with Harvey." So when they go low, Steven Spielberg goes high. That at least here, in Michelle Obama—that's where she got it. He from. definitely <laughs> was the presage of Michelle Obama here uh, for for what happened. Um, the thing that the one thing I will say, like all of the all of the way this ceremony is toxic. I will say, like I was surprised how while Shakespeare and Love won so many awards. I felt like Harvey was a bigger presence the year prior because he was like in the front row for Goodwill Hunting and like a multiple participant. And while he was actually on stage here at the end for Shakespeare in Love and giving an acceptance speech, um, he was not necessarily as big of a factor, I felt like, within the ceremony itself. He was set further back in the crowd. They didn't really show him that much, at least in the clips I saw. So I was like, it is interesting that this is like the Harvey Oscars for sure, I think, if you're looking at it. But he was not as much of a factor as the Goodwill Hunting year for whatever reason.
1: I think it's also, I'm not saying like he requested to be sat in the front row or anything, but like he knew like Titanic was winning that year, right? right. Even though like uh, all, all his like talk and bluster was like you never know, you know, like there's the underdog um, and stuff. But I think he was probably feeling really good this year. I mean, obviously they end up winning. But right. like he knew, like they really pulled out all the stops. To yeah, the cross
0: line at the end. Did you notice? You know, again, you were a better reader than I am, so you read all of Inside Oscar, a chapter on this. I only read the. I, I had to. I,
1: I paused to watch Saving Private Ryan, and then I paused. I,
0: pa- I paused to fall asleep, and then did not come back <laughs> to it. But there is a part in it where Harvey was quoted as saying that this year he was like, in the at least publicly, while he was waging a silent, you know, neg campaign against Saving Private Ryan with voters publicly he was like all five of these movies that were nominated for best picture are great movies and you know i wasn't a fan of titanic last year and i'm reading that after we went back and looked and read about how james cameron like almost beat the hell out of him with his oscar i was like i wonder if that was more that interaction than the actual movie because i was like why would he nag titanic like that but i I was like maybe that was actually it uh but who knows the other nominees were, were shakespeare in love And Saber, Prime, Ryan, like we said. And then Elizabeth, Life is Beautiful and The Thin Red Line. So a huge difference between uh, what we saw the year prior when you had a lot of big hits and like populist movies. Here we have a lot of- Well, here you uh, have
1: uh, three World War II movies and two Elizabethan movies.
0: (laughs) Yes. And only one of these was really a hit at the time. Saber, Prime, Ryan was a huge hit, obviously. Shakespeare in Love ended up becoming a massive hit off of this. I think at the time of the nominations, it had only grossed like less than 40 million. But I mean, it ended up for the year, it was the ninth movie worldwide. It grossed $289 million. It was another huge hit. And it was really everywhere. I I definitely, I saw that in the theater as well, obviously, like, but I think more closer to opening weekend uh, than like in March or April.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of funny because like Saving Private Ryan domestically was the top grossing film and it's second worldwide. And I'm just thinking like that wouldn't happen today. (laughs) Like it was released now
0: i don't i mean it's a war movie so who knows i don't think it would either but i don't think it would do poor none of these other it would ones. would not be
1: done. number one no. for the year
0: none of these other ones would have done i mean like we'll talk about life is beautiful is a movie that i i remember also enjoying at the time i was swept up in the emotion of it but i would not i was,
1: I was never into life <laughs> and
0: i mean the winds are just aged like milk and then elizabeth i feel like is a movie that's totally fine uh, and yeah, not totally it was never into it.
1: and then like no one asked for that sequel and they did it
0: <laughs> and then the thin red line again i saw that in the theater and was in the inside oscar they talk about like how people were like get out of here with this compared to saving private ryan i remember it was a big deal cuz it was terrence malick's first film in like 20 years and he was mm-hmm. so reclusive that they still had the same still photo of Terrence Malick that if you Google Terrence Malick, it was there at the Oscars. And then when they did the best director lineup, because he was a nominee there as well, it just says the direct, it's just a photo of the empty director's chair. Uh, So it was, I remember being like really excited because while I wasn't like Mr. Terrence Malick fan, I was like, wow, that's really cool. that this this guy's just come out of nowhere after 20 years of being a recluse and made this movie. And then we remember sitting through it and being like, holy cow, especially off Saving Private Ryan. It's so slow. Yeah, it's like, just very... Know, it's ephemeral.
1: Yeah, like in philosophical and just not not what you would uh, expect from a, a war movie. No. Uh,
0: So yeah, so those are the nominees. And I, I you know, the thing is that we've talked about, like, we've been talking about like Saving Private Ryan is a great movie. I recently, so I have not rewatched that recently, but it was definitely my favorite, my, one of my favorite movies. I rewatched Shakespeare in Love recently, and it's still
1: really I, I entertaining a little, it's really yeah.
0: entertaining movie it really is it's very easy to see how people were like wrapped up into its uh you know feeling and enthusiasm and emotion and I think it does you know like you said it is a good movie and you, even you missed the, the number one Saving Private Ryan fan uh, like Shakespeare in Love but I think if you're if if you ask people now like when there's an Oscar injustice. I do feel like it is kind of mentioned at least somewhat in the same breath as some of the other ones that we've seen.
1: And I don't think it deserves to be. No. And so this is the thing, cause I think even like like my friends who don't follow any of the stuff, like Shakespeare in Love gets put on these lists all the time as like worst Oscar wins or like biggest Oscar mistakes, you know, like a crash or whatever. Um, and I don't think it deserves to be like, I think it's a fine winner. Do I wish it wasn't competing? against Saving Private Ryan, yes. Um, and I will admit like when it happened, like in 1999, when it won, I was like upset, but I was more upset that Saving Private Ryan lost than Shakespeare in Love won, even though I didn't watch it for a while after that. But it was it was more like I'm I'm angry at the voters for not voting for Saving right. Private Ryan. Like I'm not angry that Shakespeare in Love won because I really love the movie And I, if it's on TV, which is it's on TV more often than saving private Ryan, I I will watch both of them if they're on TV and I I will watch it. Like I I love the score. Amazing score. Listen to it all the time. And the score is unbelievable. Yeah. But I I feel like because it's taken on this narrative that yeah, like this is one of the worst Oscar injustices that I've had to defend it to the point where there've been times where I'm like, yeah, it should have won over saving private Ryan. (laughs) Like, I I would have not, I would have voted for Xavier Power Ryan to win, and I think it deserves to win. But I think Shakespeare in Love is still a perfectly fine winner.
0: Yeah, I think I actually would have voted for Shakespeare in Love. Like I said, I was rooting for it at the time, just because I liked the chaos and like the narrative that was sold to the press. I was very into an underdog winning. I like it when underdogs win, especially, and I do think while all of the stuff we've been talking about, about how like the modern Oscar campaign was like launched here and, and all of the the backbiting and stuff that we see. The other thing I think was that Titanic having won the year before was just a juggernaut and like an obvious winner and very much a favorite in this big spectacle. And I think having Saving Private Orion right on top of that, it just kind of felt like a little bit like, can we have something else? And the Shakespeare in Love was something else, right? Like that kind of thing. Even though Shakespeare in Love is a premise is a lot more like Titanic because of like the story. Oh yeah, and like
1: they both play on huge emotions.
0: But I do think that like, there is like the spectacle aspect of Saving Private Ryan, which is so incredible and like was like a big selling point of the movie. And then Shakespeare in Love is just this light kind of airy rom-com basically. I remember thinking it was really funny that it was, they made a big deal about how it was like the first comedy to win Best Picture in quite a long time. Uh, and I still don't think of it as a comedy to me. I don't know. I, I have a different definition of comedy. There are amusing elements to it for sure.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of like, the dramedies at the Emmys.
0: Yes. But it was you like, know? that was like another runner where it was like, oh, it's not going to win because it's only a comedy, right? Like that was again, a neg against the movie. It was like, again, shake your hey, Love mean, it, is, it is a funny movie.
1: Like there are elements of it that does not fit in the usual like best picture winner box. Like it is a romance. They don't, like we have back-to-back romances win basically. Um, and it's a, a female lead. Uh, so it was, so after that, like, you know, Hillary Swank and Million Dollar Baby won, and then we didn't get another Best Picture, Best Actress winner until Land.
0: <laughs> Pretty wild. It, it's like, it's yeah. just watching the way the industry has shifted is, is disconcerting, I would say. Yeah, so
1: I think like there are, it's not a, a traditional winner totally, but, and, and I guess you could say like Saving Private Ryan is because it's a, a war film, but I also don't think it's like your usual war film either because the huge, big spectacle action sequence is in the beginning. Right, and then it's I, it's kind of talky through it all. Like they're just searching for this dude through the. Rest I would of say, the
0: uh, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think the injustice is that Saving Private Ryan lost. I think there is a, a much much bigger injustice around Saving Private Ryan that we'll probably get to uh, when we get through the categories. Uh, because I was just again watching it last night, the, the ceremony, which you can watch on YouTube. Uh, it's just like, how did this? How do we? How do we fall into this? What happened here? Um, we'll get we'll get to that. So so Joyce, so we said Whoopi was host. Four hour show. There's 45 million viewers and I was reading a thing. Uh, I forget if it was inside Oscar or something else. Oh, it was uh here, it was after the show. Uh, Bill Carter wrote an article for the New York Times about it, and they were complaining about the length uh the uh the ABC, Michael Davies, an ABC executive in charge of the broadcast, a four-hour and seven minute Oscar show is obviously too long. They're already just dunking on this immediately. Uh, talked about how you know the movies weren't great. Uh, the guy praised, you know, Whoopi, and then here was, here's a couple of things that, again, I think it's hilarious reading this in 1999, and then thinking of it now. Mr. Davies said, harsh criticism of the show and the host was becoming an issue for the producers. It's becoming more and more difficult to persuade anyone to do these programs, he said, with ratings down from last year when Titanic's dominance brought hordes of teenage viewers with it. Mr. Davies suggested something he would like to see in next year's show. This is the ABC executive, quote, lots of nominations for the Star Wars sequel. <laughs> I mean, what are, what are we doing
1: here? Every year, it's the same story. You know? <laughs> the Star Wars sequel, you mean you mean prequel? <laughs> he meant prequel.
0: It's the Phantom Menace, because they had, was yeah, few, it was coming out. Yeah, it was coming out. Coming out a couple yeah. of months after this ceremony. Liam Neeson was at this ceremony. It just makes me laugh reading this, because I'm like, This is
1: off of 40, what did I say it was? 45 million. 45 million viewers in their life. Which which they'll never hit again.
0: They're like, oh man, this is, we're we're in crisis mode. No one's going to host it. They don't want to host. We got to get Star Wars. No one's
1: watching. We lost all the Leo fans.
0: The show is too long. And now it's like, here's 12 million people. Good luck.
1: We're going to cut eight categories. It'll be great.
0: Unbelievable. (laughs) Uh, so yes, so we'll be so stressed. You wrote down a couple of things. We we love this. Is another one where they have the interu- introductions on the red carpet. The start. Mm-hmm. You you sent me one. I think they, it was- they
1: really need to bring those back. Here
0: but- are the ones I wrote down. You tell me what you got. But I have a yeah. double Oscar winner and still photographer. Kevin yeah, that Koffler. was
1: the first one I did.
0: <laughs> He's got a Kodak disposable again taking pictures. Uh, this one I love. Best screenplay Oscar winners and buddies. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Mm. And then popular actor Val Kilner. Yeah. That one um, I also
1: have Patrick Stewart, Star Trek star and respected British actor. Amazing. And then world-famous Oscar-winning director Steven Spielberg. They they the love calling out how famous Steven Spielberg is, because they did that uh in the Silence of the Lamb show as well.
0: And uh I forget who it was, I think Robin Williams, when he comes out to give out best supporting actress. He's on fire. He's like riffing and stuff. It's just a totally different Rob Williams than you saw when he actually won. He was so mannered, I thought, when he won for *Goodwill Hunting*. This Spielberg. year, yeah, this year he comes out. He's just ripping, and I think he did a thing about evacuating the theater. And he was like, "Steven Spielberg first, and then everybody else. Just good luck, basically." Like that was the joke. Again, love having Steven Spielberg there because it was like, "Here's he is Hollywood royalty. Here he is." Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then oh. another one. Beautiful star of *The Mask of Zorro*, Catherine Zeta-Jones. They it's love talking insane. about how gorgeous people are.
0: It's very, it's very retrograde if you watch it. Everyone, every star is, every actress is beautiful, and then the men are successful. That's how they, that's how yeah. they basically separate it off.
1: Yeah, and that's also how the voters vote for winners too. Like, because if you're an actress, you're up and coming, you can win. But for the men, you you got to wait until you're accomplished in your it's 40s. It's so
0: bad. It's so <laughs> bad. Uh, I will say, so the show opens with Willoughby. She comes out as uh, dressed as the queen uh, from Shakespeare in Love. She's The first full- of
1: what, like 75 times the Shakespeare in Love score display.
0: You knew, I. it's like if you were not sure what was going to win Best Picture, they literally opened the show with a Shakespeare in Love.
1: Not, not that we're saying they knew it was going to win.
0: <laughs> they didn't know it was going to win. But I mean, like, it was clearly... Uh, the it was in the it was uh the mania was high, its high point i think yeah. people were very they, excited they were
1: not playing the elizabeth score
0: no they're playing shakespeare in love score for whoopi to come out dressed as judy dench doing a bit about her being the queen uh in in like it's the very african funny queen. african queen right very funny uh it's a good joke and it's just a great moment again one of those memorable oscar moments i think you like that is a, that really stands out as whoopi dressed as, as judy dench it's so great then she comes out to do her monologue And she raps a whole thing about uh, the Clinton scandal. Like we said, totally in the, I I was watching and I'm like, as I'm watching, I'm like, this is like Bullworth, which was a nominee. And then they cut to Warren Beatty in the crowd. And I'm like, is
1: Warren Beatty like, whoopee, you're ripping me off. What is this? Like, it's just literally like the Bullworth raps. Also, I saw Bullworth in the theaters.
0: (laughs) Me too. I I saw it in uh, Port at at the one in town. I don't know if that theater is still open. Uh, there was one, there was the Cineplex Odeon down in, in Sound. I think
1: area. it's still there, isn't it? It's like dilapidated now, but.
0: And then whatever it was, Uptown was like the different theater, and they had gone through a couple of things, and they changed. They, they, I remember they made it more of a multiplex by that time, and so they like made smaller theaters. And I swear to God, the theater I saw Bullworth in was as big as this room. The screen was like the window behind me, and then there it was were a like personal screen. Three rows of seats. Yeah,
1: it was like okay, I guess we are doing
0: this. Uh, but yeah, so there was Warren Beatty there with with Bullworth uh, while Whoopi is rapping uh, about Clinton and and, and Lewinsky. Uh, she references Elie Kazan, I think, at that point too, right? Because uh, she talks about the blacklist being just her and Hattie mm-hmm. McDaniel, which is a great joke. Her jokes are really funny, I thought. She was
1: Yeah, and so then he, she called herself like the the last 20th century fox because she's hosting the last Oscar ceremony of the 20th century.
0: Pretty fun. It's like a little bit of pre-Y2K paranoia and, and mania. Uh, I, I just loved it so much. I was like, it would have been great. I think there was a rumor that she was maybe su- suggested as a possible host this year, she obviously hosts the view and, and ended up in a mind in her own scandal of, of putting her foot in her mouth but Whoopi's great it would be so nice if she ever hosted again i think she just it was really funny
1: <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting to see how she does or what would do in this era you know
0: yeah well she definitely lost some speed on her fastball i would i would argue mm-hmm. uh, this was like peak Whoopi. i feel uh they joked already about here uh she had a one thing. Oh, this was that I wrote down. This is another one. I thought you would appreciate I don't know if you noticed this in her monologue. She goes, this will be a long show. So we don't want to hear about, read about how long it was tough. I'm like, yes, whoopee go for it. Like, that's right. It is going to be a long show. And that's what it should be. It's the Oscar.
1: Is, is it an, an Oscar ceremony if they don't talk about how long it's going to be?
0: No, this one, they didn't have as many Gil's Gil Cates is going to get mad at me jokes like Billy it's did. Like, yeah. But uh, he was again, the producer Gil Cates came back. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so so why don't we go through, do you want to start going through the uh, the, the winners and categories? Is there anything else here before we get there?
1: Sure, best picture, which which uh, I, I, I tried to do our thing of filling out what would be the other five nominees in Expanded Field. And I'm just like, I could do like two or three. And then I don't know. <laughs> I came
0: up with, uh, I think I came up with three that I felt were definite. But the nominees, like we had said, to reiterate, Shakespeare in Love and Saving Private Ryan, and then Elizabeth, Life is Beautiful and The Thin Red Line. I would say life is beautiful probably ended up being third again just the 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 hysteria around that movie was so high and uh, just does not age very well I would argue as a win or in it, its wins have not necessarily aged very well and Shakespeare in Love obviously won Harrison Ford read the the nominees and then announced best he, picture and
1: I he really wanted to say saving private Ryan he
0: did he's like a sphinx he's very difficult to read Harrison Ford but I could tell he was like a little pissed that he had to read Shakespeare yeah. in Love uh The other nominees I came up with were The Truman Show. Yes. Seemingly was the sixth. Uh, Peter Weir was nominated uh, for Best Director. Got Best Screenplay nomination as well, I believe. Uh, Yes, and
1: and Ed Ed Harris nominated.
0: And Ed Harris. And we'll talk about it. I think Jim Carrey probably should have gotten nominated. But so Truman Show, I have Gods and Monsters felt like a pretty solid seven. Yeah,
1: love Gods and Monsters.
0: So Bill Condon wins Best Adapted Screenplay for that. It got multiple acting nominations as well. And then... I put out of sight in there oh my <laughs> solely I, on its screenplay
1: Now, I love out of sight. It's great. I just, I don't, it's, it's more like a hope diction if I put it on. Like, so
0: I, I, what were your other ones? I mean, the other ones I wrote, here are the other movies I wrote down. And again, most of these are like Pleasantville was, a, I really love. Yes. I, I, I have
1: Pleasantville. I have there something about Mary.
0: <laughs> I have something about Mary also. And I think if it was now with an expanded lineup, it would have gotten in. It feels like the time of movie that actually should have gotten in and the expanded lineup was made to get in because it's like a populist hit that was actually like critically well-received and is actually good. Yeah.
1: Then, um, I also have a simple plan, which I like.
0: So simple plan I could have had instead of out of sight. That had more of a buzz, obviously the Billy Bob Thorne performance. And, and in keeping with this, late 90s run that we've been doing Billy Bob again gets the biggest applause at his nomination when uh it's he's a nominee for supporting they,
1: they, actor they, they just love Billy Bob <laughs> I love that guy
0: holy cow they love him he's like so like what a fave uh I wrote down and Little at this Voice. point
1: he's he's with Laura Dern at this yes. point so
0: I wrote yeah. down Little Voice which is another Miramax movie Brenda Blethyn was nominated yes. for best actress mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and then I have Rushmore, more written down
1: yeah, I don't, yeah, like I, I wrote down Rushmore and Big Lebowski back to back.
0: <laughs> and I thought Big Lebowski perhaps, but I actually have another spot where I think Big Lebowski would get honored uh, that seems more realistic. Um, but it's hard yeah. to come up with like actually like 10 nominees.
1: Yeah, it would be easier if it were just this the sliding scale still. Like I think you could solidly do that with like two or three others. Um, I also have The Opposite of Sex, which I loved.
0: Love the opposite of sex, and I'll definitely be bringing that up multiple times as we go through later. But I don't think yeah. it would have been a best picture nominee. The thing that's funny is, while again, Life is Beautiful is not a movie I would say I've revisited a lot, and I don't think I I've seen that since it came out. <laughs> and Elizabeth and Thin Red Line are totally fine movies that I'm just like, whatever about in the end. I wouldn't knock any of these best picture nominees out, probably for any of the movies we just mentioned. Like, it feels like this is actually yeah. a five.
1: Yeah, it's fine. It's I don't- totally fine. Yeah,
0: totally uh, fine. You can make the argument for Truman Show. And I think at least Jim Carrey kind of references this and when he goes up there. I think he's, I forget what he's giving out. You, uh, let me uh, Editing, it. okay. Yes, he does a whole, he comes out and does does editing and like really dunks on himself. And it's like very self-deprecating. And the crowd really likes it. But he's like, I can't believe Roberto Benigni took my Oscar basically or my Oscar spot. Yeah, or
1: like I got beaten by Roberto Benigni and Roberto's just like hamming it up. Like, LOL, and, laughing. Right,
0: and it's like, I do think the late breaking Life is Beautiful did end up pushing out like Truman show here for Best Picture.
1: Um yeah, maybe. I don't know. But again, it it goes back to that thing. It's like Truman show it's a little bit more cerebral and yes. Life is Beautiful is just like LOL the Holocaust. Let's make it a game.
0: <laughs> a lot of a lot of LOL the Holocaust and then like, and, like,
1: they it was process. just they they were that campaign, man. I mean. You know props to them, they knew what they were doing, like super calculated. Let's just bring this guy over and play up like every it- Italian, like stereotype you could think of.
0: Yeah, I was like, um, I remember I sent you a text last night. I was on. like, This is problem. This is like, uh, this would be like Silvio on the Sopranos being like, This is bad for Italians, kind of thing. I think, uh, Silvio, <laughs> like Dante I remember when watch. it was
1: happening back then, and I was just like, Man, like, it's like, isn't he tired of like doing all this. like cow. every like like late night appearance every interview was like literally the same but you know it worked so
0: it worked and he did it during the show yeah. uh so we said you I mean I don't know what else to say about best picture I feel like it's a, the headline thing here but I'm really not outraged that Shakespeare in Love won in the end understanding how tainted no, I and think everything it's, is it's sense, fine
1: but. and like I I wish Save and Private Ryan won but again I love Shakespeare in Love as well and it's it's it, you're still comparing art so it's right. hard to compare these two completely different films and I think it is a win of the moment for Shakespeare in Love yes. and you know yes. since then there's been you know a lot of these like relitigation when people or like outlets ask voters like if you could redo this vote like what would you vote for and some people have said like same or proud Ryan you know I wouldn't they've done that with like Crash and Brokeback yeah <laughs> you know and so sometimes I do feel like maybe we should not give out best picture the year of. You should wait a couple years when you have more distance.
0: I mean, that would be wonderful. Or make <laughs> the people vote before, uh, like, uh, blindly. Or, before... or they could
1: follow my my suggested yes. uh, award season calendar when everyone votes in secret and you stagger the announcements. So Correct. no one can be all of each other. <laughs> that
0: would be great. I, I do think it's funny that the Shakespeare and Love, save and dichotomy is one we revisit it over and over again. But it does feel like we just keep getting a copy of a copy of a copy. So the- It's the, like multiplicity. Uh, it is. And the, yeah. the, the later versions get worse and worse. And it's just is. Mm-hmm. so like, like we said- two great
1: movies. <laughs>
0: Picture Love is a great movie. And so is David Private Ryan. I think when you look at Crash and Brokeback Mountain as a, like a prime example, uh, Crash is not a great movie. Brokeback Mountain is a, is a very good movie.
1: And, and Paul Haggis himself is like, we should not have won.
0: <laughs> and then even like for Green Book and Roma, again, Green Book, not a great movie. And Roma may be a very good movie, not a movie I'm like particularly like passionate about, but it definitely is a better movie than Green Book. And you just keep getting down this line and and it just is very, uh, I don't know if it's amusing or whatever it is, but it's just watching it here. I'm like, oh, well, Shakespeare in Love is a legitimately good movie and it's not terrible at it one, but because of the, what has come since, I think people, like you said, are like Shakespeare in Love is a disastrous win.
1: Yeah. And it, yeah, it, it's just taken on this. This like tag of being one of the worst winners ever. I'm like it's it's not like it's no. it's fine. It's like you're more like I was back then. Like you're more upset about what it beat. But if you take it, if you remove it from that, like it's still a good movie. And and now obviously it's colored by Harvey Weinstein of it all. But I felt this way even before that. Um, I I know some people opinions have changed since that, and that's totally valid as well. Or you know they can't even watch the movie anymore. That's fine. But yeah. Like, even before all that, like, I thought, like, it's totally fine win, and you know what? The Oscars always disappoint me. My favorites never win, so this was this like my, my first big Oscar disappointment.
0: We've talked about this. I like much better when my favorites don't win, especially nowadays. Yeah, yeah, I don't think want about it. To it yeah,
1: yeah, so now when I say, like, my favorite movie is Saving Private Ryan, they're like, people are just like, well, first they're surprised, because I I don't actually talk about it that much, <laughs> that it's my favorite movie, and, like, they don't. People, especially people I meet, they don't think like I would like this movie for some reason, but like people always assume that I'm upset that it lost. I'm like, no, it's fine. It's totally fine. And I love Shakespeare in Love as well. <laughs> uh,
0: so best director, I don't think we, could, we have to spend that much time on it because this one they, they they got right, Joyce. Uh, Steven, yes. Steven Spielberg wins best director. Uh, Roberto Benigni is a nominee here. Again, just what? John Madden for Shakespeare in Love, Terrence Malick for The Thin Red Line, and Peter Weir for The Truman Show. Uh, Love Steven Spielberg winning for this. I thought his speech was great. Uh, I do think he was actually nervous going in because I think the way the night had played out while he had won this directing award pretty much everywhere and was the favorite, it did feel like maybe he wasn't going to win. I, I did actually, watch, even knowing what happened, I was like, man, John Madden really could have won this and I would not have been shocked.
1: I don't think John Madden won any directing award.
0: No, but I mean, the way the night plays out, it's just it's like, oh man, John Madden's going to win this. Like, you really think he might. And and it's a great movie, like we said, and it does a great job directing. I think the performances especially are like what's notable about Shakespeare in Love. Uh, yeah, no, Steven Spielberg winning here, obviously. It's like one of his tremendous, uh, yeah,
1: one of many remarkable very, achievements. Very deserved. Was- Win and he shouts out his dad, who's a veteran. Um, really
0: nice. He goes back and hugs his dad when he goes up to win. It's so sweet. Actually, that made me tear up too. I yeah. Was little... And, like,
1: you know, if, if you don't know, like they have a very complicated relationship yes. that will be dramatized this year in the Fable Bins. Yes. Paul his Dano next, plays the dad.
0: Next best director nomination. Get yeah. Paul Dano an Oscar. Julia Butters, FYC, for his sister.
1: It, it, You're your ridiculously early Oscar prediction, Julia Butters. <laughs>
0: uh, so the directors I wrote down as possibilities, I think watching how it played out. I think if one person was gonna get nominated who wasn't uh, here, so you you could say maybe it's uh, uh, Shikhar Kapoor for for Elizabeth, because that was the mm-hmm. Best Picture nominee and he was they were not nominated for Best Picture, but I actually thought Bill Condon would have gotten in here for Gods and Monsters. Yeah, and instead he of, also
1: feels like that type of idiosyncratic director's pick.
0: Same, I, I thought the same thing. So I was like, I actually think he would be sixth here. Mm-hmm. And then the hope dicting trio that I have where Wes Anderson for Rushmore would have never happened. <laughs> Steven Soderbergh for out of sight would have never happened. And truly this one, I can really make a case for Spike Lee for he got game. What a great movie. <laughs> Absolutely awesome Spike Lee movie. And obviously like at a time when the Academy was not very much into Spike Lee at all, uh, should have got nominated here. I think he's be- He's definitely better than most of these nominees. <laughs> For this category
1: um I mean yeah I, I would be fine with that but that that was not happening <laughs>
0: no who else did you think for this besides Bill I,
1: I mostly had a Bill because yeah. I thought like yeah that was um and then yeah with like Elizabeth and like Shekhar Kapoor I I don't think he was ever getting in um
0: it felt like he was not Considered seriously for whatever whatever reason.
1: Uh, yeah, this- but had he gone in, I'll just be like, yeah. So they just nominated like the right. best picture director, you know. So, yeah, and I I think it was like too early for someone like Wes, you know. Yeah,
0: for sure. And and in the inside Oscar, they talk about how they Touchstone kind of botched the release of that. It was released in a platform release for one week. In December. It's funny because I saw that we definitely saw that in the theater. I remember like being so excited for Rushmore because the trailer was awesome. It looked like Mm -hmm. just like the most fun movie rules. It still rules. Uh, Watched recently. Uh, And yeah, I was just like so into it, but it definitely felt like a too cool movie's too cool for an Oscar, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Best actor, (laughs) Joyce. Holy shit.
1: Like, uh, well, I, I have, I have a, a quote I want to read after we, we get through this. <laughs>
0: the, the nominees were Roberto Benigni for Life is Beautiful, Tom Hanks for Saving Private Ryan, Ian McKellen for Gods and Monsters, Nick Nolte for Affliction, and Edward Norton for American History X. Four incredible performers doing incredible performances and Roberto Benigni and Roberto Benigni wins Best Actor. Just, uh, oh man, what a miss. This is such a miss
1: yeah and uh yeah he he worked for it and he got it
0: uh and, so he had won yeah. previously in the night for best uh foreign language film at the time which is now best international feature Sophia lorraine gives him the award and he he gets up on his seat steven spielberg has to hold him up from falling at that point he gets up there it's a whole big kind of combines like the kuba gooding speech with like uh, every like uh, just he's just yelling and just so like, he's like, I don't know how enough. Blah, he's like speaking in broken. Yeah, English he opens
1: everything. with like, I ran out uh, like all the English I have. So like, then when he would... but like he's like pretty fluent in English. Like, yeah, so that's... And, like I know it's a joke, but like, right. but that was part of the persona that he had crafted, right?
0: Yes, yeah, so he gets yeah. up here for the best actors, like I ran out of words, and then he proceeds to give a speech that's very effusive and stuff. Uh, based on this list of nominees, he would not have been.
1: I mean, Ian McKellen all the way.
0: I think so, Tom Hanks. I think this is a miss for Tom Hanks because Listen. he never, he didn't win here because he had won twice very recently.
1: Yeah, yes. Like I love Saving Private Ryan. I love Tom Hanks' performance in Saving Private Ryan because it's also not a very Tom Hanksy performance. Like it's, it's very controlled and restrained because that's yes. the type of captain that John Miller was. And I uh, also, uh, I'm going to invoke Avengers Endgame now please because when i saw that and uh, you know it's now become a meme but at the end when old steve rogers gives the shield to sam and then like sam sees like his wedding ring and he's like you want me to tell me, you want to tell me about her and he's like no i don't think i will it's a whole meme now i'm like tom hanks did it tom first tom hanks did it first yeah and saving private ryan after matt damon tells this whole story about his brothers uh, that he k- improvised and then he asks Tom, like, tell me about your wife and her rose bushes. And Tom is just like, no, I'm going to keep that one to myself. Like, it's great. He did it first, I, guys.
0: It's an incredible performance. I do, He didn't win because he had just won twice. Basically. Yeah, he
1: was not going to win a third Oscar in five years.
0: But the problem is he is not real. I mean, he should have maybe won for Castaway when we do that year. We could talk about that. Like he,
1: he was filming or like getting ready to film Castaway.
0: When he, he was because he has the beard. But I'm like, this was such a like now it, we've gone 20, 20 plus years without giving Tom Hanks a, a third Oscar. And it just feels like this guy should have three I mean, Oscars. it took
1: him 19 years to get another nomination after Cast Away.
0: It, it just really does feel like a missed opportunity. I mean, like, I think the, if this was nowadays Ian e. McKellen, absolutely the film Twitter pick, right? And certainly a well-deserving yeah. winner. Uh, hard to imagine the movie working without him. It's a great
1: performance. And another
0: and, I, person, and another,
1: someone else who should be a winner by now.
0: So it does feel like a missed opportunity. Uh, Nick Nolte for Affliction, solid performance, very dark movie, kind of depressing movie that won for for James Coburn, as we'll talk about. Fine with him not winning. And Edward Norton, I really love this nomination. I love this performance at the time. Another movie I've not revisited in very long, so I I can't guess it hasn't aged incredibly well based on the topic and the subject matter. Uh, but it's a great performance. He was so good in it. And I remember really being excited about Edward Norton because this was a year he had this and rounders, which was a favorite.
1: I love rounders. Oh my gosh. Uh,
0: the, the people I wrote down and again, and then Roberto Benigni, I have really no, again, the four are are amazing. And the winner, I would not have even nominated if it was up to me, because I think there are other people who could have gotten in here.
1: Jim Carrey, who won the Globe.
0: Is The obvious one, he was uh, seemingly a favorite for so long and it was like his big play at being a a serious actor. I I have not watched Truman Show in a very long time. I remember thinking it was perfectly adequate and I think he's quite good in it, but I'm not ever broken up that he wasn't nominated to be perfectly honest. It doesn't feel like he needed to be nominated. I think if you're looking at this with the, the colored glasses of 2022, the actor I actually would have nominated is Jeff Bridges for Big Lebowski here. It's I an be, all-time yeah, I, I performance. I would have
1: done it then. <laughs>
0: so, all-time performance. Truly a, a, a iconic, like...
1: Just quoted all the time.
0: That's, incredibly that's just... Incredibly quotable. Me, yeah. <laughs> incredibly funny. Just a totally memorable performance. Probably his best performance, even though obviously he won for, for Crazy Heart. Uh, I think he should have gotten nominated. I think it would have been him, but he wasn't even really considered seriously when this was happening, so... No,
1: and like he wasn't even nominated for the Globe for comedy.
0: No totally forgotten the movie came out I think in March right of the year of this year so or the year before obviously so it was like not like not the most uh not the most top of mind I guess I would say
1: yeah but this this was so the Globes went to Jim Carrey um in drama which was like kind of a surprise because it was people thought like Ian McKellen we get mm-hmm. it and then like jim would win the next year for uh, man on the moon right um and then the comedy musical one went to michael kane for little Voice. right so but then sag comes it's the the fifth year of sag and well well, critics choice also gave it to ian mckellen for gods and monsters and apt pupil another great performance from him um brian singer you know that's whole different story
0: (laughs) that was a really rough also like even at the time i mean this is before brian singer obviously also another uh problematic figure of 90s hollywood that movie at the time was like uh, uh, cloaked in incredible controversy right i -hmm. I mean i feel like that was like a big runner about it so yeah but he was a lot of
1: the the stuff the the issues that stemmed from the production involves brian singer so um and brad renfro r.i.p um, and yeah, and then SAG comes along and gives it to Roberto Bonini. And then it was, you know, just could not stop this train. And everyone knew, like all the other nominees knew they were losing to him. So my favorite story of this night or like this, this category is that Nick Nolte, Ian McKellen and Ed Norton went to the bar to drink after they lost cause they knew they were gonna lose. And Nick Nolte like shared this story like 10 years ago when he was nominated again for Warrior. So I have this quote I'm going to read. I can't wait. He says, and the night of the Academy Awards, Ian said, Nick, I don't care if you get it or if I get it or if some kid with a bald head and tattoos gets it. But if that little fucking Italian guy gets it, I'm going to have a shit fit tonight. I said, okay, that's good. I'm with you on that. And then we're sitting there and they go, Roberto Benini. And he's doing his bit, walking over the chairs. I look over and I saw Ed was gone and Ian was gone. So I got out of the chair, I walked off and I knew they'd be at the bar. As I walked up to Ian, he said, Nolte, I don't know why you thought you'd get an award. You only play yourself. And Ian was playing a gay guy. So I said, look, who's calling the kettle black? And we both turned on Ed and said, what, did you think you'd win just because you shaved your head and got tattoos? And Ed said, well, I'm just proud to be here with you guys. And we laughed and had a great time. A great time.
0: Couldn't yeah. have said it better myself. What a what a, what a great moment. Oh, uh, Hank's
1: not invited, but that's okay. He's doing fine.
0: <laughs> he had to sit in the, he couldn't get up. I mean, they showed Hanks, he had to like, you know, Tom Hanks is the president of Hollywood, basically, he has to sit there and like grin and bear it. Yeah. Uh Nothing against Roberto Mania. He might be a lovely man. Uh, you know, obviously at the time, like we said, it was a, it, the world was caught up in Life is Beautiful Mania. Uh, but wow, this one is just an instantaneous fail, I think, as a win. I, I just, I, I was just like, especially with these other four nominees, it's such a good category.
1: Yeah. So, huh. you know, another one people might want to redo.
0: <laughs> I think they would redo that one. I will say like looking at it now, like we said, Hanks probably didn't win because he had won previously. E McKellen, I think, should have won. And I think there maybe was an idea that, well, kind of like Judy Dench style, he'll just win at some point in the next year, Like when she lost for Mrs. Brown, never materialized. Nolte- Yeah, he
1: got, he was nominated for Lord of the Rings, the first one, Fellowship, um, and hasn't been nominated since.
0: And with Ed Norton, I do think there's also like an idea that, well,
1: he mm-hmm. was nominated for
0: Primal Fear, nominated here, we'll just get him again. And he didn't get nominated again, I don't think, until Birdman, which he was Mm -hmm. great in. Yeah. But, you know, and doesn't feel like, he he feels like an actor who maybe should have gotten an Oscar in one of these 90s ceremonies and did not. And now it's like, well, is he ever going to get one? I don't know. Like, Edward Norton doesn't do as much. He's more picky, I feel like, with his material. So.
1: Yeah. So.
0: Uh, best actress
1: opportunities it
0: was it was missed opportunities for Roberto Benigni but again that's what happens when you vote like in the heat of the campaigning and being told how great this is and you get the VHS tapes and you're feeling great about getting all his access Uh, best actress Gwyneth Paltrow wins for Shakespeare in Love like I said the speech made me just weep such a great speech and it's such a great moment and I I know it's tainted because of obviously what happened with hard, but I hope I, I guess I was like naively like, man, I hope she doesn't feel like it's tainted because it is such a wonderful moment for her to win and like I think her performance is so good. So I'm sure she's conflicted about it, but it's just so it's such a great she's so great. Kate Blanchett for for Elizabeth was a nominee, seemingly the the film Twitter pick probably at the time there was Twitter. Yeah, uh,
1: uh, I, I like Fernando Montenegro would be the film Twitter pick.
0: Fernando Montenegro is nominated <laughs> for Central Station. Meryl Streep for One True Thing, which is actually a really solid, I think, weepy drama. I, I enjoyed that one. And Emily Watson for Hillary and Jackie. Uh the nominees. Uh, so first let me add you. Do you think Wenneth winning is bad? Because I feel like that's another one that people are like kind of No, hate. I'm
1: totally fine with her winning. Yeah.
0: She's great in a, the movie. a very good win. So great. She's so great in the movie. Uh yep. the 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 And again, this is another one where I'm like, I don't know who you knock out. I guess Meryl for one true thing, just because it's like, it felt like one of those, like Meryl gets nominated performances rather than like, we need to nominate someone. So I was looking at the people I came up with for best actress who I would have put in were Cameron Diaz or something about Mary and Christina Ricci for opposite of sex. They they category for Christina Ricci, I think in one of these ceremonies and put her in supporting, or was it one of the critics groups did that? I forget which one it was.
1: Mm, no, she was nominated in lead um, at the Globes, Christina. Okay. Because um, like Lisa Kuja was getting the supporting notices and I would have nominated her. And
0: she I was would've. so great in the movie too. Yeah. And so we talked about this a little bit last week. Cameron Diaz in Something About Mary is like an incredible performance. She's so funny. And she won New York. She won the New York Film Critics Circle. And in the in the inside Oscar, they, they make a big, basically it was, we want her to come to our dinner which I think is like really reductive like The
1: Lady Gaga of, of 98. <laughs>
0: Again, it felt like Lady Gaga of 98 because it was like a lot of people in Lady Gaga on one were like, they want her to come to the dinner. And so that's why she won and she didn't really deserve it. I find that a little reductive, just I'm like, she is great. Like Lady Gaga was great in, in House of Gucci. I'm not, I have no problem with that win. It also happens to be that she's super famous, but sometimes when you're a famous movie star and you give a great performance, you shouldn't be penalized or thought of as like basically like, you know, uh, I don't know, fodder for, for, for getting a famous person at your party. So so Cameron Diaz won uh, New York Film Critics Circle. I think that's a great win. And she's so good in the movie. The movie yeah. is very funny. I'm sure it hasn't aged incredibly well either. I've not seen in a long time. I could think of at least one or two things that are incredibly problematic.
1: I, I saw that in a theater with my parents and like wow. we were all just rolling. Yeah. My, my, my parents told me to see like like whatever it didn't matter like, like, I saw with you know, one one of a lot of buddies. inappropriate movies with my parents probably
0: I saw it with one of my buddies and uh ha- I could not remember laughing as hard at, as I found it so it was, it was probably hilarious, like, almost, yeah just like probably what was I uh you know 20 years old so like very uh in in the pocket I, I the was 13 <laughs> and just howling laughing at it it, it was it's so funny but also, she was incredibly good
1: one, one of my favorite quotes in Inside Oscar, um, not about something about Mary, but about Samuel Private Ryan and like how like this room brutal D-Day is. And there's like a quote from Steven Spielberg saying like, yeah, I don't think if you're under 14, you should see it. I was 13. I'm like, Steven, come on. Like, <laughs> why can't 14 year old see this movie. <laughs> like, uh, it's war, it's brutal, but yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so yeah, so, so I would have put her in, I guess I would have knocked Meryl Streep out though that robs you of a moment when Gwyneth Paltrow gets to like shout out Meryl Streep and honestly they they cut to Meryl and Meryl's doing like oh but like I was almost like I
1: think she couldn't hear her
0: I also wonder had she ever met Meryl at that time like it almost felt like it was like oh like nowadays you think Gwyneth Paltrow is like it's uber super famous person I'm sure she's like got able to talk to Meryl Streep if she wants like on text or whatever however famous people talk Joyce uh maybe through Instagram DM I don't Um, even know
1: I'm sure she's probably met her at one at of the, the events. I guess um, so. Yeah. So she, she also said like my friend, Kate Blanchett, because they had just done uh, Talented Mr. Ripley.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. Great, great time. And her other friend, Ben Affleck, who I, I think they were together. Yeah, they
1: had just broken up, but then they oh, would they go on to make bounce. Yeah.
0: Right. Bounce with uh, Don Roos, who is popped uh, here with Opposite of Sex. Uh, I haven't seen Opposite of Sex in a very long time. Same. but I didn't really, really love it at the time. I thought it was so funny. That was when I saw on VHS. I did not get to the theater for that. We were not getting a lot of the indie releases at the time in, in the local mm-hmm. theaters, but uh, it's incredibly funny. Very, very caustic and, and, and sarcastic humor. And uh, I was a big fan of Christina Ricci obviously and and Lisa Kudrow uh, from Friends, just like a home run and she's very- funny. Yeah,
1: well, that was why I was like reading for Lisa cause I'm a huge Friends fan. No, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. And uh, I, I wanted her to get
0: in. <laughs> the best supporting actor goes to James Coburn for Affliction. It's the first award of, of the night. The other nominees are Robert Duvall for a simple action. Ed Harris for Truman Show. Jeffrey Rush for Shakespeare in Love, a return nominee after Shine. And then Billy Bob Thornton for a simple plan a return nominee after Sling Blade. Uh, I have also notes. Also a,
1: a rematch between the two of them.
0: I have notes on this one, Joyce. I got, I got I,
1: I, I, you have feelings.
0: <laughs> I have a lot of notes. So the the obvious one, uh, current controversies aside Bill Murray for Rushmore felt like should have got nominated here uh, but it was a comeback for Bill Murray after doing a bunch of junk and I think people weren't ready to take him super seriously as an actor and we saw that they end up doing that by the time Lost in Translation comes out but this starts the Bill Murray like renaissance basically of like serious actor Bill Murray after like operation dumbo Drop, bill Mer- or he wasn't even what was the one he was in uh, the man who wasn't there or whatever you know what i mean like just a lot of junky 90s uh movies uh so i would have nominated him and no offense to robert duvall in his civil action but that would be one i would punt out i don't think well uh, he wasn't
1: even there no so yeah uh
0: the other person i wrote down was ed norton for rounders
1: uh i i love rounders
0: and legendary performance, uh, incredibly good. Worm is such a great character. Norton kills it. And I think he should have gotten nominated a double nominee for this year for American History, Eggs, and Rounders. And then I think they got the wrong Shakespeare in Love actor as much as I think Jeffrey Rush. Ben Affleck. Did, I think Ben Affleck should have gotten nominated. Jeffrey Rush is actually like in it a lot. He's like a key factor. Uh, he's a producer in the movie. So I think that like plays into the joke and like a lot of people were like, you know, infatuated with that portrayal but wow Ben Affleck like
1: he's, playing I, the, my, my friends and I quote when he comes in he's like what is the play and what is my part
0: just, he's so good he's so funny his anachronistic acting style actually works really well for the movie and the tone mm-hmm. uh it's a great performance I think it's one of his best performances and I would have loved to see him nominated yes uh the other person that people I wrote down tell me if you have anybody else uh Alan Arkin for The Slums of Beverly Hills, which is like a preview of his Little Miss Sunshine performance. It's exactly the same, I would argue, but like a few years earlier, John Malkovich for Rounders, just as a big scenery chewing performance, though I prefer Edward Norton. And again, another canceled film, whatever, Leonardo DiCaprio for Celebrity, his uh, incredibly fun performance from Leo in that movie, playing the the movie version of Leo, uh, kind of like very meta performance that I quite enjoyed at
1: the time. Mm -hmm. Um, the only person I would add is Gene Hackman from one of my favorite movies of 1998, Enemy of the State, which is wow. <laughs> all time, like Tony Scott, like peak Tony Scott. I love that movie so much. watched it all the time in pay-per-view.
0: Boy, <laughs> like, every movie- like,
1: he's like, he, he and Will Smith, uh, Will Smith, our fave, uh, great chemistry between them. And like, he was just like Gene Hackman, looks like, so cool. And it was like such an easy performance, like like easy in a good way, like like easygoing, and like it 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 felt like it fit him to a T, and yeah, I was obsessed with that movie. So, and then he retired like four years later. Uh, but it's an incredible, it was such movie. a fun movie,
0: really fun. Uh, every movie we bring up, Joyce, there's a landmine of some person who has been canceled or, or done something
1: bad. So, we, <laughs> of course, we got to Will Smith. Uh, we got but- Will Smith, and also John Boyd is in this movie. So, <laughs> uh,
0: but. Uh, He's so great. I love the part where it's like, because you made a phone call. I love Gene Hackman and played so Pissed Off.
1: Funny. Oh my God. And I love the runner with Will Smith's blunder. Oh God.
0: <laughs> Gene Hackman was the greatest pissed off actor. I know, obviously, he's still with us, but he's re- long retired. He's retired. He's uh, the, he the greatest pissed off actor in the world. Mm-hmm. Every He's so mad and he plays Outrage so well. I just love him so much. I want to watch Enemy of the State now. <laughs> I'll tell you one. I wanted to, I'll tell you this story because we're talking about Gene Hackman. I got to find it. But, uh, Ben Stiller did a, a charity thing a few years ago for uh, something he did. It was a movie he, had, a parody movie he wrote at like the time of like the Ben Stiller show called like The Towering Disaster is all about Poseidon Adventure and how he was like obsessed with Poseidon Adventure as a kid and he loved it so much. It was like one of the reasons he went into to acting. And when he was doing Royal Tenenbaums, Valves, which I think when we, when we get to that, if we, we continue this and we get to the, that, I think Gene Hackman was, which should have probably won that year, but uh, he, he Ben was like worked with Gene Hackman every day was, the, the stories from that set are that he, they were all really intimidated by Gene Hackman because like he's just so cantankerous and like no no does not suffer fools. So uh, Ben Stiller was like finally finally got up the nerve to go up to Gene Hackman to tell him about Poseidon Adventure and, and this is what he said. I'll read this um this I did this like two years ago. So I, he was like two days before the shoot was over. Finally, there's this quiet moment. And I said, Gene, I just wanted to say it's been amazing working with you. And I didn't say this before, but really for me, Poseidon Adventure is probably one of the most important movies for me ever because it really made me want to be a filmmaker, to be in movies. And I saw it multiple times and it really just changed my life. And Gene Hackman, as Ben Stiller says, the Gene Hackman paused and looked at him and was like, oh yeah, money job. And that was it. (laughs) He just left, just got up and left the conversation. And I mean,
1: what else did there to say? Mike? drop. Nothing else?
0: <laughs> just amazing. Ben Stiller spent 30 years being like, man, this is such an inspiring movie for me. And Gene
1: Hackman is like, what But I feel like movie? that happens all the time. It's like the things that you love yes. and like hold dear, like to them, it's just like another job. Yeah, just like a money paycheck. job. Yeah.
0: Uh, Gene Hackman is the best. I totally support him being nominated here. Uh, but none of these people were nominated, Joyce. You end up with uh, a list of, less than inspiring nominees. I think, you know, I don't know. I, I, all of these performances are fine. Robert Duvall for Civil Action, like I said, the movie was like kind of a, a, a this had Oscar buzz vibe to it. Uh, Steve Zalian directed it. Sean uh, Travolta was in it. Totally fine. Kind of like a courtroom thriller, like yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, Billy Bob in A Simple Plan, I think would have been a nice winner. James Coburn, obviously a legendary actor, kind of had a fall like his career faded he came back this is a comeback win for him in affliction and then he he died shortly after like you were saying last night and it was yeah it was already, I
1: this is weirdly I remember like going online when he died in 2002 it's like I can still picture it and I read that he died on e news like on e online wow. <laughs> I can still picture it and it's it's also sad because he gives a shout out to his wife at the end of his speech and she died 2 years after he did of cancer so it's sad all around but I this one is cool I know you're not a fan of this one but I think it's cool because he won no precursors and he wasn't nominated anywhere um and you just like don't get that anymore these days so the precursors were split so BAFTA was still after the Oscars at this point but Ed Harris won uh, the Globe and Billy Bob won Critics Choice and Robert Duvall won SAG so it was a split race and then James Coburn comes in and wins it. And it's it's also interesting because like in like the last, the previous two years, you know, we saw like these legends like Lauren Bacall and like Burt Reynolds lose, right? But they gave it to James Coburn.
0: It's funny because I wonder, we, had, we I, I have stipulated that I'm like, the Academy is actually not as sentimental as you think. The performance is so unsentimental. He's playing such a such an oh, yeah, awful, he's an asshole. total <laughs> asshole. And also like, because he was not really, they weren't really pushing a, it's time narrative for James Coburn, right? Like you he said, was, like yeah, he was, he was a nat-
1: surprise.
0: So it was kind of just like it naturally occurred that they were like, I like, I want to honor James Coburn rather than being told I have to honor James Coburn, right? Like kind of like they were doing with Lauren McCall, perhaps.
1: Yeah. Time. Cause he I think I think he got in at SAG, right? I think he did. Let me see. I don't remember. But him. he didn't, I think that was his only precursor. He didn't get in at globes. Um yeah, so he got in at SAG. So Robert Duvall won that. Um yeah. Cause it wasn't like, we need to give it to him. Cause yeah. Cause Lauren was sweeping. Right. And Burt had won the globe. So yeah, he didn't win anything. Right. Um, and yeah, and it was split. So maybe like that was, he was just a beneficiary of that. It was like, no one had a consensus choice. No. It's like this kind of like this legendary new in the race face sort of. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, for Supporting Actress Choice, Judy Dench wins famously for Shakespeare in Love. She's in it for eight minutes. Love her speech. She's like, it's just eight minutes, but like she's very, you know, very uh, kind and, and it's a great speech. The other nominees are Kathy Bates for Primary Colors, Brenda Blethyn for Little Voice, Rachel Griffiths for Hillary and Jackie, and Lynn Redgrave for Gods and Monsters. I don't have a problem with uh, Judy Dench winning in that lineup. I actually think that's a really strong lineup, but the people I, I flagged as two actually actresses who were. Very much in the race, or Lisa Kudra like we said, for opposite of sex, and Joan Allen for Pleasantville. I was kind of surprised that neither one of them got in. I assume that like Brenda Blethyn and Rachel Griffiths took their spots. I guess I don't know. What do you think? And also earlier, I said Brenda Blethyn was the best actress nominee, but it was
1: supporting actress. So sorry. Um, I mean Brenda got in everywhere. Right. So. Yeah, I. I, I get it'll be like yeah Rachel for Hillary and Jackie I guess but if you're replacing two
0: I don't know I mean like Lynn Redwood know. is so good in and like her. maybe
1: Kathy, Kathy was not sag but but that also just feels kind of like they like Kathy Bates and I I, I don't know if that that role was really like a stretch for her in primary colors right um but yeah, I, I would have done like Lisa Kudrow, definitely. And Joan Allen was great. Um, So an, a, someone else who feels like sh- should have an Oscar by now. Right. Um, and I think
0: nominated a couple years for the contender, right? Was that a, another nomination for
1: her? In in two years. Two years. In, in 2000, yeah. So um, yeah, but yeah, Judy winning, like we talked about last week, she lost for Mrs. Brown in lead to Helen Hunt. And this was like the makeup Oscar.
0: I'll tell you uh, what though, if- if it was between Helen Hunt winning for as good as it gets and Judy Dench winning for Shakespeare in love or Judy Dench winning for Mrs. Brown and like one of these other actresses winning here, I think we have a better ma- I like that I like Helen Hunt and Judy Dench. I like that
1: that that match. that match.
0: Yeah, I do. I think it's good. I'm like, I would not take away uh, Helen Hunt's Oscar no. and it.
1: and like like Judy is great in Shakespeare in love. And yeah, like she's only in it for eight minutes, and she references that. Um, I also really love her speech because she talks about what I think is actually true and how the best part of the Oscars is just being nominated because you're just around uh, your peers and these people in the industry celebrating work and it sucks that one of them has to win. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so really great speech. speech. And obviously, Robin Williams, like a great uh, winner announcement, like there's nothing like a dame. And then like her reaction, she's like, she just knows, it's her, she's the only dame. In the so lockdown. good.
0: It's really great. <laughs> uh, let's go we'll go through we'll wrap up here shortly but the screenplay wins went to Shakespeare in Love for original screenplay and uh Gods and Monsters for adapted screenplay the other nominees for original were Bullworth, Life is Beautiful, Saving Private Ryan and The Truman Show uh again some notes just I think uh I had Big Lebowski and Rushmore as uh, original screenplay
1: nominees. I oh, would nominate Big Lebowski <laughs> uh but I don't think, I don't think the industry was ready for the Coen's follow-up. No. Fargo being Big Lebowski. That's the thing.
0: And I think the whole response the you know, it's funny, like inside Oscar, they talk about how like Truman Show didn't really work for the industry because it was a critics movie and the critics really liked it. And that the industry was like, I don't care. And I felt like for, for Big Lebowski, at least at the time, Fargo was such a, a humongous critical winner. And obviously like won Oscars that when it came out and it was just like a, basic it's it's a very smart and well-made movie but it's like a stoner comedy right like it's a stupid stoner comedy at times people were just like this is like a huge step back for them And even critically i don't think the response at the time was commensurate with what it is now because now i think it's like one of thought of as one of like the great movies of like the 90s there are
1: a lot of films from this year that um were not like widely embraced at the time but have now become cult classics right
0: uh yeah, I don't have a problem with Shakespeare and Love winning. Like I said, I think the script's really good. Uh, and Gods and Monsters is a very cool win. It beat Out of Sight, Primary Colors, A Simple Plan, and The Thin Red Line.
1: Yeah, Gods and Monsters, no notes on that. Um, Shakespeare in Love, I'm totally fine with too. Like, I think it, it's it's a very well-written movie. And like, to get that ionic pentameter and just like the the way of speaking at that time, um, I think they did a really good job. Um, and... Yeah, I think, I think like people now would probably want to give it to The Truman Show. Um, that yes. would've been fine as well. Um, Save Empire Ryan, I love the movie, but the script not one of its strong suits and I, it, it underwent a lot of rewrites as well.
0: I also um, like one of these ones where you could have easily imagined not even getting nominated Titanic style uh, for its script.
1: Uh, I mean, it's not that bad. Like the script, the script is still good. And I think it does a really good job of, um, like fleshing out the characters, like the troop. Like I feel like you you really know each member, like all eight guys. Who who's go, your
0: favorite? Who's your favorite guy?
1: Okay, so at the time, my favorite guy was Jackson, the sniper, played by Barry Pepper, who's yeah, also he was in a breakout. NBA. Surely, yeah, I love love Barry Pepper, and he needs to do more stuff, man. Uh, come back, Barry Pepper, and. Uh, because like you know the sniper is the coolest, right? Mm-hmm. But I know like I can never be the sniper. Um, and now like I have more of an appreciation of Upham like Jeremy Davies' character, because he's us basically. Like because he's he's the translator who's like recruited to go along with them, and he only fires his gun or his uh, rifle once in the movie at the end to kill Steamboat Willie, mm-hmm. who, like kill Tom Hanks after Tom Hanks let him go earlier after Giovanni Ribisi died. Um, so I and I feel like you you get to like they're kind of stock characters, but the the script actually accomplishes so much with like their interactions and just little moments between them like during their downtime and their conversations that you really get to know uh, each and every one of them. And it's it's really sad watching all of them die <laughs> like it is um, uh, my my, like, my favorite. death is really sad when he, like ask for more morphine and I love the way they shot it as well because you don't know at first like who's been hit um and like Vin is the first one who dies after like rescuing a little girl also like when the first Fast and Furious was coming out like three years later I was like oh it's like Caparzo so I, I think of Vin Diesel as Adrian Caparzo before Don Toretto uh,
0: um,
1: but the toughest death for me to watch is Adam Goldberg's um because he gets slowly stabbed in yes. the heart like just really tough yeah
0: uh I, my favorite was Ed Burns not a surprise probably to you uh, at like,
1: all. yeah Brooklyn just, and then the, like one of the two who survives <laughs>
0: it's great so good in it I love it but and also this
1: film is very funny like low-key funny like when yeah. Jeremy Davies like drops his typewriter and asks Tom Hanks if he could bring his typewriter or like when um Paul Giamatti sits down to like take a stone out of his shoe and he just like knocks over the wall but like when I was watching last night um like during the final battle like Tom Hanks is like running over to check on that Damien's like Ryan you okay you okay and Ed Burns is right there and he's like yeah I'm okay too captain <laughs> so good uh
0: Joyce we should wrap up I, I I know you want to talk about the uh the song category
1: the song category um not not full of bangers like the previous year but still one one definite absolute banger i don't want to miss a thing from so another one
0: (laughs) how the hell do we not give diane warren a goddamn oscar for i don't want to miss a thing this is so clearly an oscar win
1: (laughs) like uh, and then yeah i i still remember um watching like aerosmith perform it live and i was just like like i know they didn't write the song but i'm just like just like this song has to win, like, and I was like, obviously it was like a huge hit and everything. And um, I, a couple of years ago, I talked to Justin Tranter, who's a songwriter. And he was like completely outraged that Diane Warren did not win for the song. He's like, this is like my favorite song, my favorite song from a film. I don't, I, he's like, I don't know who won, but this should have won. And the winner was When You Believe from the Prince of Egypt um, by Stephen Schwartz performed by mariah carey and whitney houston
0: right so you get the murderous yeah. road of the divas performing it at the time right but like yeah
1: and they performed on the show it, the the performance is online you can watch it but stephen schwartz not there so it this birth like the meme because uh j-lo presents this category so it's just kind of like i don't know her like you know like what 10 years prior but then she says like steven schwartz is not here but it cuts to mariah and whitney in the audience and like that's when whitney's like looking around for like steven schwartz
0: <laughs> third year third year in a row they have j-lo presenting
1: by the way at the oscars could yeah.
0: nominate her for out of sight uh, also the third
1: year in a row that's lean Dion is performing
0: yes didn't uh, reference her for out of sight yeah, yeah for quite
1: for in. Camelot. yeah yeah j-lo I, she would have been a great nominee i think that's probably her best performance in out of sight
0: I like, I actually thought that for a while, but I do, I, I legitimately think Hustlers is like an incredible movie and she should have got nominated for that. She's so, I mean, yeah. it's so, she's so good in it. It's just a great performance. Um, the, draw, the score categories, which we love, they had two at the time. So uh, the Shakespeare and Love theme, like we talked about just prevalent throughout the show. It's an incredible score. Uh, Stephen Warbeck wins in musical comedy score uh, against A Bug's Life, Mulan, Patch Adams and The Prince of Egypt. Wow. Just wow. And then uh, dramatic score goes to Life is Beautiful over John Williams' saver Prime Ryan score. I mean, what are we doing, guys? Like, what is happening? I don't know. Randy Newman was a double nominee, lost twice. Pleasantville score, another winner. Uh, Elizabeth and the Thin Red Line were the other nominees in dramatic score.
1: Yeah, and they did the, the interpretive dance, not for the, the comedy score nominees, but for the dramatic score nominees. And yes. Some of the pieces, it's online, some questionable pieces to choreograph to. Yeah,
0: uh, and Debbie Allen, future Grey's Anatomy star and, and director and producer, I believe, uh, in the mm-hmm. in the crowd very provenly watching the, the dancers that she helped choreograph, I believe at the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Joyce,
0: we, we should wrap up, but then we didn't even talk about Elie Kazan gets his honorary Oscar. Uh,
1: Presented so- by uh, his biggest stand, Martin Scorsese and- Robert De Niro, who was clearly in the middle of filming Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yes,
0: Never. Robert De Niro has the most laughable haircut from Rocky and Bullwinkle uh, <laughs> and De Niro and, and Scorsese. They give out this honorary Oscar to Ilya Kazan. Um, going into the show, it was a, a humongous controversy. There were protests outside, and they said like 500 people were protesting. Uh, some of the signs that were out there, Ilya Kazan nominated for the Benedict Arnold Award, this is from an LA Times article in 1999, don't whitewash the blacklist. and Elia Kazan, quote, the Linda trip of the 1950s. So that's the tone of the discourse at the time. Uh, he, get, he wins and, you know, or he gets his award. Scorsese and De Niro kind of do it. We talked about Chris Rock actually comes out prior to this and is just on fire, uh, makes a, a joke about Robert De Niro. It doesn't like rats. And it just is like so funny. It's so good. The,
1: the audience, very mixed reaction from the audience. At that for joke. Robert,
0: De N- uh, for the, the Kazan or for the, Chris the rats, Rock?
1: The rat's joke.
0: Yeah, definitely. Chris Rock making yeah. rubbing, rubbing people the wrong way at the Oscars for 25 years in counting, I
1: guess. <laughs> but no one uh, came up on stage to slogan.
0: So No, <laughs> De Niro did not come out there. Uh, and then, um, yeah, it's Scorsese and De Niro present like a little package about Eli Kazan, obviously like one of the directing some of the most incredible movies ever, basically, and some it's of the greatest performances well. of all time. Uh, and then Kazan comes out and gets a mixed response. I would say a lot of people I remember
1: still- this vividly because I like had followed the controversy obviously, and it was like a huge there were protests and everything. And yeah, not everyone was happy with this choice. Also, kind of unnecessary too because he's he's already an Oscar winner. You don't need to double down on this.
0: Right. It felt like giving poking- an Oscar
1: to people who don't have one. Right.
0: It felt like poking the bear a little bit uh, from the Academy. Yeah,
1: economy. and. Yeah, but that if like, you can watch the clip online because when he comes, he comes out on stage like with his wife, just kind of like, yeah. And like arms raised. And it's like, it's not even half standing O. It's maybe like a quarter standing O. Um, and then some people are just kind of like, like Steven Spielberg, just kind of politely clapping, but you can tell he's not happy to be. This is what yes. we've talked about before is like, do these people feel pressured to applaud and clap? when they know, or like they personally don't feel like they should be doing peer pressure. Yeah,
0: again, this is another presage of like this year's Oscars of like Will Smith getting like a standing ovation or a response after the, the slap, yeah. right? And like, even like, obviously, Roman Polanski, if we get to that one was like another- uh, uh, He got a full standing up.
1: Yeah, this one, oh. like not even standing up, but yeah, some people stood up, like Merrill stood up, um, but people who did not stand up or clap, Ed Harris- Amy Madigan Nick Nolte <laughs>
0: like just absolutely like arms
1: crossed
0: yeah it like, it's pretty it's remarkable and then his speech is very short and just is like thank I really like to hear that he says of the applause I want to thank the academy for its courage and generosity I'm pleased to say what's best about them they're damn good to work with and then he like tries to get Mart Martin's like hiding behind him which I found so funny and then he's like trying to get Marty to come up Marge Scorsese is like, I don't want to do that. Uh, I'm already having a tough time trying to win one of these myself. I don't need more people not liking me.
1: And like, uh, people already don't like that I'm doing this for you. So
0: like, keep me out of this. But he comes up and gives him a hug. And says he's like, Bobby's here too. Make sure you say hi to Bobby. <laughs> that was so funny again. And then uh, it just ends. And that's it. So that was the, uh, that was the that, that was controversy. A big
1: controversy. Of that was of the big 95.
0: controversy. Now, now well, how quaint that that was the controversy, uh, not to, bes- not to, to downplay anybody's feelings about the 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 Red Scare. I, I
1: also don't think they would uh, select him as a recipient today, like no. if this were happening now. Or if they did, they would. I guess it, it'll be tough to rescind it. They would have to um, go through with that I guess I don't know. It's 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 yeah. It you could tell they were just kind of like, you know, like a legendary director, and like yeah, he he outed his like colleagues. Yeah. for no reason really right uh, uh, 40 years ago so
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that's it so that's the oscars choice they wrap it up movie says bye 45 million people watch and the day after it's like what are we going to do about the oscars only 45 million people watched we have to fix this no one wants to host
1: <laughs> like we moved it on a sunday because more people will be home so more people could watch and they did it <laughs>
0: And then it's a big disaster. So we'll, we'll come back. I mean, we could keep going on these two. Do you want to go? What do you want to do next week? We have not talked. I mean,
1: about we didn't finish the decade. We, we, we should go back
0: into like the five 90s. years. Yeah. Maybe we could go back and look at the 90s before we go to the next year. Uh,
1: with this, like we're just pure, We're not even doing in any order. Even we're not though doing we did the of three in order.
0: And I got to say, the more we delay uh, the following year, probably the better as American Beauty won five awards, including uh, Best Picture, Best Actor for <laughs> Kevin Spacey. So... So maybe we'll come back to we'll come we'll get. Are we gonna do
1: both of his wins last?
0: No, probably not. But we'll we'll figure (laughs) something out. Joyce, this was so much fun. Uh, So uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, bye. Bye. For all things Hollywood competition and awards, head to GoldDerby.com and follow us on social media at GoldDerby.